What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be jumping all around the sports world with some NBA Finals talk, the Major League Baseball All-Star break, Wimbledon, UFC, and the Open Championship. Episode 47 coming at you right now. What's up, y'all? It's been a minute since we've done one of these. I think it's been like three weeks or so. We were pretty busy, first of all, getting our sister married and then going off on a little post-wedding vacation, but we're finally back with another one of these. P, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. It's It's been a while. I feel like we got to shake off the rust a little bit, but yeah, Laurel got married. Congrats to Lauren and Noah. Now we're you know three games deep in the NBA Finals, so a lot to catch up on here. Yeah, and I, I realized I asked you how you were doing, but I already knew how you were doing because the big announcement today... The new season of Survivor starts September 22nd. Let's go. Yes, that is absolutely huge news. If anyone doesn't know, we're big time Survivor fans. Been watching for over 20 years. What is this season? What, 40? 41, 42? 41. Yeah. Yeah, and Survivor is one of, if not my favorite sport. If you don't consider it a sport, you're not watching correctly. Yeah, and Tori and I both applied for the season and we both heard cricket, so we're slightly better, but still looking forward to watching. Yeah, but they they revisit those videos for like several seasons, so it's not over yet. I think they'll look at it for at least season 42 and, you know, give you some consideration, but we'll see. If it's it's meant to be, it'll happen. If I get on that show, then the Shoot Your Shots sports podcast listeners have to have massive (laughs) watch parties whenever I'm on there. Oh, we will. All right. right. Don't don't you worry. I think you'd be a contender. I think I would too. Yeah, but, you like um, sneaky run marathons and stuff. It's weird. Yes, that, that is a fact. But uh, since it's not happening yet, why don't we go ahead and talk about something that is happening, the NBA Finals. NBA Finals, yeah. So the Bucks made it a series last night, pulled it within 2-1, uh, one game three, 120-110. Another dominant performance from Giannis. I mean, there was some concern about him being 100% healthy coming into the series. It was a surprise for him to even play game one. And then he comes back in games two and three and is the first person to drop 40 in back-to-back games since LeBron did it back when they were down 3-1 to the Warriors. So he's playing unbelievable. Uh, I guess they are at least making it interesting in the series. What'd you see? Yeah, you dropped that stat with Ian LeBron with 40. He also joined Shaq as the only other guy to ever go 40 points and 10 rebounds in back-to-back games in the finals. So he's playing amazingly well. I mean, this is very reminiscent of that series against the Nets a couple of series ago when they looked completely outclassed in the first two games and then came back looking like a completely different team and as if they're going to make it a series. And I mean, more than anything, I think I saw, you you hear all the time how the NBA is a make or miss league and it sounds cliche, but I think it's true. You can have back-to-back games where both teams get the same shots and some nights you make them, sometimes you don't. And and it seems like the Suns just weren't making shots last night, and the Bucks were. I mean, the, the Suns went under 30% from the three-point line. They went under 70% from the free-throw line. Meanwhile, Giannis went a very uncharacteristic 13 for 17 from the free-throw line, and they made 14 threes. So they just they didn't shoot well. The Suns didn't shoot well, and the Bucks did. And that's just basketball. That's how it goes. That being said, I think this is going to be a battle of the series, and I kind of think it's going seven. 
Yeah, I hope you're right. I mean, I would love to see a Game 7 in this series. It's going to be largely dependent on how the Suns look and how they come out in Game 4. Back to Game 3 just real quick. I feel like we've talked about this in the past, how you never want to be those guys that attribute too much to like the mental aspect of the game. But I feel like this is a classic scenario when a team goes up 2-0 and then going on the road for game three, you know, first road game in the series, they just come out flat. And that's what the Suns did. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. They just like, they didn't look super inspired from the beginning of the game. Devin Booker had 10 points on three for 14 shooting. They just, I don't know what it was, but other than DeAndre Ayton, they just didn't look super locked in. You got to credit the Bucks a lot for that, but I don't know. It's just, I feel like it's a classic story where this happens and it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Bucks tied up 4-4 or 2-2 after game four on Wednesday night, but yeah, it could go seven, but I don't know. Like I, I was thinking about it today because I saw Nick Wright on ESPN saying that even down 2-1, he thinks that the momentum has shifted in favor of the Bucks this series. And I just don't agree with that. I mean, what do you think? Well, the momentum is always with the team who won the last game, right? I think it's just how how it works. I mean, I wouldn't say they're the favorite now, but yes, I would say momentum is with them because they won the last game. Sure. I just, when you talk about like kind of who the pressure is on in this series, the pressure is on the Bucks until they win a road game. That's just kind of the format of the NBA playoffs in a seven game series. The home team does not have to win a road game. Exactly. Like, the Suns don't have to win in Milwaukee. The Bucks do have to go on the road and win one in Phoenix, whether it's game five or game seven. And that's really hard to do. Yeah. So far, they have not shown that they are capable of doing so or even remotely close to being capable of doing so. Right. And, and back to the whole mental aspect of the game, a huge part of last night, Giannis had 41 points. He shot 13 for 17 from the free throw line he's not going 13 for 17 in phoenix when they're doing the whole countdown thing i mean it is a big deal home court advantage when we're back to these full 100 capacity crowds is a huge deal in the nba playoffs we've talked about this before and i've never understood it right i just really i really don't get why home court advantage makes such a big difference right like in football it makes it makes perfect sense because you can't hear the quarterback. And so the defense gets a bigger jump on the ball. Like there's reasons you can't communicate as well in NFL or in baseball. Every stadium is a little bit different. So you play the bounces different if you're the home team, whatever, like you just, and you hit the bottom of the inning. So it it matters. I never have understood why professional athletes have such a hard time playing on the road in basketball. It's weird. It is crazy. We talked about a few weeks ago how the record for the home team in NBA Game 7s in the playoffs, they win about 78% of the time. It's unreal. So it is a big deal. Earlier in these playoffs, the the home team actually lost three straight Game 7s. Wow. So, I mean, anything can happen. This is a weird playoffs. It's kind of new emerging teams trying to win their first titles. So anything can happen. I don't know where this one's going, but I'm excited. I, I think if the Bucks tie this up 4-4, you're certainly right. We're going 7. Yeah, I don't remember the exact year. but I this just is said 4-4 again. 2-2 two, two after game 4. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first year in a very long time that no players on either two of the NBA Finals teams have ever won a championship. There's nobody in the series with a ring. So there's nobody that's a proven NBA Finals champion so yeah like you're saying as the series goes on pressure is going to get added especially to these guys like Chris Paul and Giannis who like really need to win one to solidify their legacy their career so yeah it'll be interesting to see how those guys respond wait Jay Crowder's never won a ring why do I feel like he has like four (laughs) I'm almost positive Jay Crowder's never won a ring oh I'm sure if you saw that you're right but that's funny I just I pictured him on one of those Cavs teams I guess there was only one Cavs team with LeBron that won the title might have been afterwards yeah yeah he was never on one 
Wow, interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I'm going to be super happy for either Chris Paul or Giannis, whoever gets it done, and then the coaches too. I mean, you know the Monty Williams story. His wife yeah. passed a few years ago in a car accident. Everyone would be super happy for the guy. He seems like an incredible coach, an incredible person. And then Mike Buddenholzer, I mean, he's kind of been through the ringer for whatever reason. He was the hometown guy with the Hawks a few years ago, couldn't quite get it done, got fired and landed on his feet in Milwaukee, and here he is in the finals. So some good storylines going on here. For sure. One last note, we've already talked about him and given him props, and I I think the media is giving him proper accolades as well but watching deandre aiden kind of coming into his own that guy is going to be a problem that guy is is already good but he's going to be really really good but he's got kind of got that like joel Embiid, really solid mid-range game got great touch around the rim he's a good defender like in two or three years that guy could be i mean not only an all-star but one of the top i don't know 10 15 players in the nba he's a, he's a really really good player yeah, he's sick. If he keeps us up, he's going to get maxed. I mean, mm-hmm. you look back at that 2018 draft. Yeah, him, um, Trey, and Luca in there. Yep. Like, people always want to make this argument about Trey and Luca, but he's trying to throw his hat into the ring. You know, he doesn't have that big of a role yet on the team with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. But in a couple years, if Chris Paul retires and he becomes kind of a, a top two guy for that team, I mean, he's really good. He's going to be an important, really good player for a long time. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. So, it was DeAndre Ayton was one, Luca was three, right? And Trey Young was five. Who yeah, were two there and was four? That trade. I don't know. Um, let's, let's look that again, up. Marvin Bagley was two. Oh gosh. And Jaron Jackson was four. Jaron Jackson could still be a good player. He's solid. Yeah, Marvin Bagley. He's the one who he was seventeen years old, reclassified to jump a year, went mm-hmm. to Duke, and everyone loved him as like a potential number one overall pick. But throughout the season, I guess they started to think his game wouldn't translate as much. But anyway, that draft really panning out yeah that's pretty sick love that are we done with the nba finals yeah moving on to the unfortunate news in the basketball world the usa basketball team lost an exhibition game to nigeria they were 29 point favorites so this is a pretty shocking one dropped the game 90 to 87 i don't really know anyone uh on nigeria other than i think precious achua and their coach is mike brown Mm -hmm. um so that's interesting i guess i I don't know why they lost this game did you watch it at all yeah darice bannock uh was, yeah. was money from the three-point line. Yeah, Yul Brenna threw down a few dunks. <laughs> I did not watch any of the game. We were in the middle of watching UFC when we got the news that they had lost. And, I mean, I was with like 10 guys. Our natural reaction was, well, the Team USA might, must not have had any of their guys playing. Like, there's no way Kevin Durant played in a game that we lost in Nigeria. And they all played. Like, I don't really know what happened. Uh, somebody, some backup guard for the Heat is on on uh, Nigeria as well and I think he hit six bombs so I don't know what happened well Precious Achua plays for the yeah but it wasn't him yeah yeah okay so it was a different guy yeah they had like two two or three NBA players but yeah not a good look however it might work out for Team USA in the long run as far as being a little bit of a wake-up call addressing some weaknesses but yeah not a great start for this new version of Team USA basketball no not quite and we mentioned 29 point favorites but to really put this in perspective in the 2012 olympics the usa beat nigeria 156 to 73 for those who don't like to do quick math that's 83 points i mean that's an absolute smackdown so i don't know what happened here but i do you know still expect the u.s to win gold with relative ease i hope and like you said hopefully this is a wake-up call and they'll come to play i think the olympic starts on the 23rd so we're less than two weeks away gotta tune up let's go i love i love the summer olympics so much i cannot wait and sorry to bring this up this just reminded me of something 
when you were in like middle school, sixth or seventh grade, what was the score when you played Dude. Roswell? I'm sorry. I, just, I, I hadn't planned on saying that. I just thought about it right in the moment. Yeah, yeah. What was uh, the score? It was 71 to 8. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we lost by 63, <laughs> but I scored four points, so it's all about me. Let's I was go. the star of the show. Yeah, they, they full court pressed us, and we were just beyond hopeless. But yeah, scoring two points a quarter is elite. <laughs> when Proud when of the you boys. are in elementary or middle school, and there's a team that full court presses, and you can't break it, the... It gets nasty in a hurry. There's just nothing you can do about it. Dude, I remember this is a funny r- random side story because she was in the news the other day, Maya Moore. I haven't actually watched the whole thing, but apparently she made a fantastic speech at the ESPYs and she won the Arthur Ashe Courage Award, that, which is yeah. cool. But anyways, um, I grew up, this. I was the same age as Maya Moore. And so in like middle school and early high school basketball, you would always show up and you would watch the girls game before the guys game, like in seventh and eighth grade. That's what we did. And I remember Collins Hill girls would have Maya Moore out there at the top of the press and they would just steal the ball and she'd lay it in every possession. They would win every game by like 80 because <laughs> how are you going to get the ball past Maya Moore? And then yeah, you, can't, just you can't stop her. It was, it was incredible. There's a reason she lost like six games in the eight years of high school and college combined. Pretty absurd. Yeah. I guess she's, she's moved on to new things now. We went from NBA finals to Maya Moore, but Hey, that's there all we good. go. Arthur Asher board. <laughs> all right, let's move on to major league baseball. So we start the all-star break today. We've got the home run derby tonight at eight o'clock. Shohei Otani is the favorite at plus two fifty. He's kind of the star of the show this weekend. And then after him, the the second tier on the odds, you've got a little grouping here of Joey Gallo, Pete Alonzo, and Matt Olson, all guys who can hit the ball out of the freaking stadium. Who's your pick tonight? My pick is Trey Mancini, solely because of the storyline. I'm like rooting for that. that guy so hard, overcame cancer. It's really cool that he's even in this. I think my pick to hit the furthest bomb is going to be Joey Gallo. I think he's going to hit a moonshot. I think, I think one's going 500 off Joey Gallo's bat, but... It doesn't matter how long you hit him, really. I guess it does a little bit now because they have that rule with extra time. But Trey Mancini just can hit some a few wall scrapers, get enough. I'm going Trey Mancini for the win. Okay, well, he's plus 1,000, so I like your odds there if you want to plug that in. And then we've got Juan Soto plus 800 along with Trevor Story right there. And then also plus 1,000 is Salvador Perez, who I didn't even know was in this until I, I looked up the odds earlier. But anyway, he seems like a long shot. My pick at plus 525, I'm going with Matt Olson. Of course you are. I mean, he's the Atlanta guy. I'm At this point pretty upset that it got pulled from Atlanta because it would have been really cool to see him do it in his hometown but it will be really fun at Coors Field the thin air out there I mean the ball is going to be flying so I'm excited to watch it but yeah Shohei Otani we mentioned he's in the home run derby he's the favorite not only that he's the first two-way all-star in major league major league history and they're really kind of accenting that by having him be the starting pitcher for the American League and hit leadoff for the AL so pretty amazing uh pretty amazing from him it's going to be showtime this weekend it's cool when you get to witness history and then know in the moment that you're witnessing history like this is the first time we've ever seen this first time it's ever happened and probably the last time we're maybe the last time we're ever going to see it i mean it's like no one does this he is just ultra talented and it's a joy to get to watch him too bad the angels still suck with him and mike trout yeah, it's absurd. I mean, Mike Trout's been out pretty much all year, yeah, but like but finally, maybe this will be like a, a kick to the butt of their GM and maybe he'll go sign a couple pitchers this offseason so they can actually contend, but most likely not. Most most likely not. <laughs> they are they are terrible. I don't know what they're doing. What is Anthony Rendon doing this year? He's hitting 240 with six home runs in 58 games. Yeah, you hate to see it. He's struggled with some injuries too, so they He's just can't put it all together. games though. 
Yeah, that's that's not great. Like that's that's not nothing. And what's his contract? He's seven years, two forty five. Yeah, that's Get a big out one. Of here with that, that's a big one. That's yeah, that's tough to watch. Well, hopefully the Angels will be around someday. I want to see Mike Trout play one playoff game. And Shohei, man, we need him in there. And Shohei, yep. So a couple teams that are had had notable first halves of the season up to the All Star break: the San Francisco Giants, fifty seven and thirty two at the break, best team in baseball. Inexplicable, other than the fact that I guess Kevin Gosman and a couple other other pitchers are just pitching out of their minds. Prime Cy Young, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You mentioned a couple weeks ago you still expect the Dodgers to win that game by or that division by several games. They've got the Padres right behind them too, so we'll see where that goes. And then other surprises the red sox are leading the al east and the brewers are up by four games in the nl central what do you think about uh about the first half of the season so far yeah it's been uh it's been fun as far as kind of some teams that you wanted to see take a step forward having taken a step forward like the chicago white Sox being eight games ahead in the al central is really fun because they're just an exciting young team the red sox and giants like you said are complete surprises out of nowhere Unfortunately, my least favorite part about the first half is the fact that the Astros are, one, doing so well, and secondly, are not getting nearly the criticism that they deserved, that they would have gotten a year ago had it, had it been a normal season. Um, I do want to point out one or two fun things from the first half player-wise. One is we do have a bit of a triple crown watch for the first time in a long time with Vlad Jr. He is five home runs behind Shohei Otani for the home run lead, but that is easily make-upable in a second half of the season, he is leading the major leagues in both batting average and RBIs, which is pretty sick for a first half. That's absurd that he's leading the league in average. What is he hitting? 332. Gosh, with how many home runs? 20? With 28 bombs and 73 ribs. Wait, Shohei has how many? No, Shohei has 33. Okay, I just remember you said five more. He has 33? Yeah. Is he going to get 60? He could. He's the first person with this many home runs before the All-Star break since like Albert Pujols, whatever, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, he's he's hitting bombs. I mean, I personally still consider the single season home run record to be 61, right? It's the legal one. And he might beat that. He really could. Yeah, he could. And how old is Shohei? Because like we've talked about how he's 27. Like yeah. We've talked about how the MLB is in good hands with all these young players. Don't discount him too. Like baseball players can play into their late 30s. We might have 10 more good years of this guy. We could. Yeah, Showtime, baby. He's a stud. He's fun to watch too. Like he's not just good, but he's he does different things. He seems like a really nice guy, even though we don't, I mean, we don't get a lot of interviews from him, but yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's the man. Yes, despite what Stephen A. Smith said. Great guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, we really enjoy yeah, watching We him. love Otani. <laughs> uh, one fun thing that happened last week that I, that I don't want to go without mentioning. Did you see Daniel Camarena? What? No. The Who? San Diego Padres guy? No. Okay, so minor leaguer in the Padres organization, relief pitcher, gets called up, immediately goes in as a relief pitcher, then comes up to bat and hits a grand slam off of Max Scherzer. Yes, I did see this. First okay. relief pitcher to hit a grand slam since 1985 off of Max Scherzer. Yeah, that's no absurd. Less. Like, <laughs> incredible. Really, really cool. And doing it for Slam Diego makes it even cooler. Yeah, tough to see for Mad Max. That's pretty funny. Well, one more thing that I have to mention. So you said your least favorite thing about the first half of the season was the Astros doing well. My least favorite thing about the first half was the Braves. Yes. Which is what, what a nightmare this has been. It... You know, started with the whole Marcelo Zuna domestic violence thing, and then you have Mike Soroka re-tearing his Achilles, and then the cherry on top, the other day, Ronald Acuna tearing his ACL. He's going to be out nine or ten months, most likely not going to be ready for the beginning of next season, so I don't want to spend too much time on that because I'll start weeping, Yes, but we had to mention it. It's even more frustrating because no one tears their ACLs in baseball. Who does that? That sucks. 
And then just to add insult to injury, the Braves came out the next day and the first nine guys struck out in their first game without Ronald Acuna, which is the first time that's happened since 1884. Yep. And it sounds like in that same game, Ian Anderson hurt his shoulder and will be spending some time on the IL. Yeah. So anyway, it's kind of a lost season for the Braves at this point, but they did win the division the previous three seasons due for some regression. They'll be back next year. Stronger than ever. I'm with you there. Is that all we got for baseball? That's all we got. Let's move on to a little tennis. Yeah, let's talk some Wimbledon. All right, so on Sunday, uh, Novak Djokovic won his 20th Grand Slam by winning Wimbledon, beating old Berrettini. What did you see there? Well, it is Wimpleton, as Papa used to say, (laughs) with a P and a T. But yeah, Djokovic, he's just so good. Like, he doesn't have any weaknesses to his game. I was texting with a few friends during the match the other day, and of course, Fulton was talking about, like, I don't understand how Djokovic is so good. He's just a backboard. It's like, dude. (laughs) No. That's just such an absurd take. I'm pretty sure he said the same things about Serena Williams. I wish wish that there was just someone following Jay Fultz around and writing down everything you said, because it would be the greatest entertainment ever. Yeah, I, I we need to set up some kind of debate between Sam Blackman and Jay Fulton. Yes. It would just be the most entertaining thing ever. Hot take city. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Djokovic is just nasty. So he, he came out and lost the tiebreak in the first set. And then the next three sets, he swept like 6-4, 6-4, 6-3. Just looked pretty dominant. Not from the start, but after the first set. And he's just, he's really hard to beat. Like, and he's 35 years old at this point, but he might be in his prime. Like, getting over the hump and beating Nadal at the French last month and then responding or following that up by winning Wimbledon in somewhat dominant fashion where he was never really challenged. I don't know. I don't know that he was taken to a fifth set. It's just crazy that he tied uh, Federer and Nadal for 20 grand slams. And I, given his age, he could get to 25 and 30 is not totally out of the question. Is it? I think 30 is out of the question, but 25 is very reasonable. I mean, we were talking about this briefly with you, me, and dad last week on vacation because believe it or not, this is what we do even when we're not mic'd up. We just pretty much talk about sports. But I think I came to the conclusion that even now, as of today, I think Djokovic has a very kind of easy case for greatest of all time, right? Personally, I don't want that to be true. I'm a Federer guy through and through. I've loved watching him play tennis more than anyone I've ever seen. He was just in his prime, was just dominant, smooth, made it look effortless absolutely incredible but the fact that they all three have 20 Djokovic has the by far the clearest path to to breaking 20 as far as age is concerned and and current form and injury status and all that not to mention he's the only guy to win all the grand slams at least twice so he's the most well-rounded I mean out of the 20 that that Nadal has 13 of them are Frenches which is kind of absurd it's kind of a a one-trick pony Uh, Federer's only won the French once so I think Novak Djokovic is the most well-rounded. And then also head-to-head, he has a winning head-to-head record versus both Federer and Dahl. Like, how do you argue against that? He's He kind of has the best, at least the best resume of any tennis player ever. Yeah, and if you're talking about them three in the GOAT conversation, I honestly think that most people would agree in kind of dismissing Nadal from that just because he's not as Mm well-rounded. Like, he wins the French all the time, but I don't know. I think that people kind of discount that. So I think it's between Djokovic and Federer, and they both have a really good case. But like right now, it's a tie in my mind. But like 
considering their age and the runway that Djokovic still has, I think it's going to be him. Mm -hmm. But you also have to consider like both of them at their absolute peak, who wins. And I think that's Federer. Like I was watching the match the other day. I saw that Berrettini at some point in the fourth set had 14 aces on the day. And I thought that was a lot. So I looked up what's the most aces ever in a Wimbledon final. And in 2009, Federer had 50 aces against Andy Roddick. (laughs) That's insane. Nuts. By the way, do you remember that? I didn't, I hadn't thought about that match in a while. I was jacked up for that because that was Andy Roddick slash America's only chance at winning Wimbledon. Yep. And I, as much as I love Federer, I was so rooting hard for Andy Roddick and he couldn't quite get there, even though he, he played really well. Yeah, but Federer, I mean, at his peak was just absolutely dominant. Yep. So it remains to be seen. We'll see if Djokovic can get to 25 at that point. I think it's pretty indisputable, but yeah. who knows? Maybe Fed's got some magic left too. Yeah, I think Fed is... I think Fed's done. I think Nadal's probably done too, but I hope they can stick around at least a little bit longer. It's just hard to know. I mean, tennis is a sport where historically, like you start to kind of look old in your early thirties, but with the way these athletes treat their bodies now and really take care of themselves, they're playing longer and Fed's 39, but like, I think he withdrew from the French a couple months ago because of his knee. So I don't think he's a hundred percent healthy right now. If yeah. he can get back healthy, who knows? Maybe he gets one or two more to be continued. TBD. Is that all we got for Wimbledon? That's all we got for Wimbledon. Let's talk a little UFC, my forte. Yeah, there you go. All I saw was uh, Connor. That was a pretty gruesome image. Yeah, so McGregor lost to Dustin Poirier once again. He won their first matchup back in, I think it was 2014 by knockout, and then has lost twice to him now this year. It was kind of an ugly finish, so I would say Poirier was getting the better of him anyways, but... um, Connor snapped his ankle, which was not great. Initially, we thought he had just kind of like stepped on it wrong and it broke. But then there were videos, I don't know if you saw them, that I saw on like Twitter and Instagram today that came out that it looks like his ankle probably broke on a kick a little bit earlier and he was just kind of fighting with it for a second. Okay, that's what I was confused yeah. about because I, I saw the picture before anything and it looked disgusting. And I assumed it was the same thing that happened to Chris Weidman um, a couple UFC pay-per-views ago where he kicked someone in the leg and it just snapped his shin. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Connor thing, he was, yeah, he just stepped back and it crumbled on him. Yeah, it was wild. So, so I don't know how to really react to all of it. Dustin Poirier deserves the win. I think he was looking better anyways, but it's just kind of an unfortunate way for it to all end. However, the night as a whole was electric. Like, absolutely got our money's worth if you paid for the pay-per-view. So we have a couple of new legends. First of all, Chris Moutinho, the green zombie. That guy came out of nowhere. He's been working 80 hours a week in a paint factory. Sugar Sean O'Malley's whatever opponent 11 days ago, 12 days ago, had to drop out of the fight. They brought this guy in as essentially a trash can for Sugar Sean to beat so that he could keep on climbing up the ranks a little bit. And this dude walked forward through the most significant head strikes you'll ever see in your entire life. It was like the Rocky Balboa where he's like charging forward and his head just snaps back repeatedly. Yeah. And it just kept on happening. And by the end of the night, this guy was a UFC all-time legend being inducted into multiple fake Hall of Fames on Twitter by Bill Simmons and other people. And he got the $75,000 performance of the night bonus because it was the most incredible beating anyone's ever taken. It was it was amazing. Secondly, tied to Ivasa. You know that guy, Bam Bam? I do not know Bam Bam Ivasa. Okay. Bam Bam is is maybe more made more fans on Saturday night than anybody else. So this guy comes out to Spice Girls first of all. Okay, <laughs> comes out. To what Sp- song? 
um, whatever the, the tell me what you tell want. me what you want that one comes yeah. out to tell me what you want Spice Girls he's a huge Samoan <laughs> fat guy with tattoos on his left handles okay he's like coming out he's owning it he's he's singing the song the fans are loving it they're showing all the celebrities like singing tell me what you want by the Spice Girls okay he's fighting Greg Hardy all right oh yes so, that's, that's everyone's favorite pastime at this point is rooting against Greg exactly Hardy. exactly so he comes out to Spice Girls comes out he gets rocked by Greg Hardy and his knees are wobbling and Greg Hardy comes in for the kill and as Greg Hardy's coming in for the kill Bam Bam lights him up and knocks him the F out so Greg Hardy's dead on the ground and then he's Australian so he does this I guess very I he, said he was Samoan yeah, but there's a lot of Samoans in Australia. Okay. Like, well, this, you know what I'm talking about? Like one of those Hawaiian Australian guys. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there's a lot cool. of those. Yeah. Anyways, so he does what they do in Australia, a shoey. So he sits on the top of the cage, pours a beer in a shoe, and just chugs the beer out of the oh, shoe. Oh, okay. I did okay, see this. So That's he, that guy. So he did that, and then on his way out of the arena, stopped by every fan along the way and started chugging beers out of everyone's shoes. Just <laughs> everyone's shoes. He, had, he probably had eight beers by the time he got back to the locker room. Wait, he was, he was having people take off their shoes? He wasn't then, having people do it. People were just, as he was walking by, giving them their shoes beer full in of their beer. Shoe. Yeah, and he was just pounding beers out of people's shoes. Oh, wow. And then right when he's like going into the tunnel. I'm not sure he's going to make it to the next that's UFC. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, so the USADA tweeted, uh, immune system rising, little stock market rising. Yeah. Thing. yeah, dude. Anyways, that guy is electric, and I can't wait for his next fight already. Yeah, Bam Bam sounds amazing. I definitely need to tune in the next time he fights. And then one more thing I want to mention, or I guess a couple more things about the McGregor fight. It was kind of amazing at the end. Uh, McGregor still laying on the floor of the octagon with like the air cast on his leg. Joe Rogan just comes into the cage and lays down next to him to do the interview. And not only was McGregor in pretty good spirits, it sounds like he was kind of like promoting the next fight. That's what he does. So yeah, he, he's just a genius. Even right after he gets his leg snapped, knows how to be a marketing guy. That's how he makes $200 million for a fight. So I don't know if you saw Ronda Rousey tweeted about that. She's like, I, there's no way I would have that in my headspace to be promoting the next fight when I'm on the ground with my leg broken after just having lost that one. And so that's the thing is like a lot of these UFC guys, especially the ones in McGregor's divisions over the year, 145, 55 guys kind of hate him because he's just destroyed them verbally for years and years but they don't realize how much money he makes them. Like he is the show. He brings all the money, all the attraction. We were talking right before we, we started recording tonight. It's just so much different watching a McGregor pay-per-view and seeing the celebrities that are there. I mean, there's celebrities at any pay-per-view UFC, but when he fights, it's everybody. And it's just the amount that he has elevated the sport is amazing. And so I hope that these guys, because I do, I hope that these guys learn to appreciate that over time because he is a marketing genius. Yeah. You said some of the celebs that were there, Jared Leto, Donald Trump, <laughs> yeah. not together, I assume. Not not together. Yeah. I was wondering about that because it's all these like Hollywood people and then Donald Trump's over here. Yep. I mean, it's just tons of athletes were there. It was it was a pretty cool scene. It was yeah. Fun. <laughs> and then last thing about the McGregor fight, I don't know if this was like a pre-fight thing, but there was some spat between McGregor and uh, Poirier where McGregor told him get your wife out of my DMs so after the fight Jolie uh, did you see that picture it was <laughs> yes. pretty amazing yeah Connor's sitting there on the floor of the octagon again in his air cast and he's looking up at Jolie Poirier and she's just looking down at him flipping him the bird <laughs> it's like <laughs> this is amazing I don't know the full backstory here but it's just so good and whether it's real or fake it's incredible promotion I mean yes. these these guys do a good job and they, these girls they do a great job so let's move from uh, UFC to a very similar sport golf with the open championship this weekend yep it, it's becoming very similar with the Bryson Brooks and 
Bryson Brooks and Brooks and Bryson feud. Yes, it they're could. Gonna, they're going to fight at some point. They need to get them in the octagon. But yeah, so the Open Championship this weekend. John Rahm is the favorite at plus nine hundred. Got Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy up there, and then the guys I just mentioned, Brooksy and Bryson. Who you got? You know who I got. I have, really? I have, yes, I have Xander Shoffley. You have, <laughs> I have you Xander have to go, Shoffley. You just have to go with him until he wins at this yeah, point. Yeah, he's going to win one, and so I got to pick him. Xander Shoffley, and then my backup is Abraham Answer. Okay, that, <laughs> it sounds like that's kind of my your uh, your starter in your bullpen until I'm, for, further notice. I'm until rolling one of them wins. with them until until Kingdom Come, bro. It's going to happen one of these days. Okay, I, I'm not going that far down the list. I'm going with Brooks Kepka to get back on top, and I I think. I can't be the only one pulling for this, but every major now, I'm just hoping for a playoff between those two. It'd be amazing. And I think this is where it happens. I mean, I don't even care about a playoff. I just want a round between them on the weekend. Yes. Okay. Maybe not even a playoff, but yes, them being the final group. That would be even better. Just 18 holes worth. A group in contention. I would love to just have them side by side for an entire four hours. It would be amazing. That'd be electric. Yeah. If it happens to where on Saturday or after Saturday, after 54 holes, they are tied and they're the last group or just they're the last group. They got to mic both of them up for Sunday, right? I would hope so. That would be incredible television. That would be amazing. I didn't think about this till right now. Are there going to be full fans in attendance? Because I know things are a little bit different in other countries. I hadn't thought about this. I would think so, because I think that recently England has had an 11 p.m. curfew, but that wouldn't matter here, and it's outdoors, and they just had a full crowd at Wimbledon. Wait, where is this tournament? (laughs) Royal St. George's. That's in England? It's in England. Yeah, yeah. So I think they'd be good based on what just happened at Wimbledon. All right. Well, heck of a deal. Let's, Let's do go. It. Let's do it. Yeah, but Brooks and Bryson, like I just mentioned, they're both plus 1,400. So is Justin Thomas. So those are all pretty good bets for your money, I think. Yeah, I feel like every year that I do the Masters pool, I feel like I add more and more guys to my Dunzo list. And so like Justin Thomas is on my Dunzo list because I was in contention for the Masters pool this year until he decided to yank a drive like 700 yards left in triple bogey. And then he ruined me. And so I'm done with him. Uh, you know who I'm done with? Who? Bubba Watson. Yeah. You know why? Why? We bet on him to finish uh, top 10 at the Travelers a couple weeks ago. And he was the 54-hole leader going into Sunday. And he was the solo tournament leader after the 13th hole on Sunday. And in his last five holes, he went six over and finished outside the top 10. Yikes. So he is dead to me despite being a dog. And I saw the other day that he has been disqualified from the Open, not because he has COVID, but because he was a close contact. So Mm. sorry, Bubba. Well, you deserve it. <laughs> that is tough. Yeah, you hate to see it. You do hate to see that. But yeah, the the Dunzo list just it always keeps growing. But none of these guys up here on the on the high list of odds, you know, Rom, DJ, and Rory, they haven't landed on there yet. So okay. I, I can wish them well. That's fair. Before we wrap up, we hadn't planned on talking about this, but I do want to ask you one more thing. What have you thought about the last couple of weeks of the new NIL stuff in college sports, specifically college football? It's interesting. I just, I feel like it's kind of the wild west out there. Like I have no basis for who, like what players should be sponsored, how much they should be getting paid. There was the University of Miami thing where- 500 a month for everybody on the team. Yeah. I I saw 6,000. I guess that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's an annual thing. Who is it that's sponsoring them? The owner of American Top Team. So the biggest gym, MMA gym in Florida, where a lot of the MMA fighters train out of. So he's a huge Miami fan. And so he's giving every scholarship player, all 90 of them or whatever it is, $500 a month. 
Okay, interesting. I mean, like giving these kids $500 a month, I think that's good. I think that's harmless. But then like the other day, I saw an article like, will Arch Manning be the first millionaire college athlete? And like, that just, I don't know. That just I, gives me pause. I, I, I saw, worry about 18 year old kids being given a million bucks. I saw an interview. Is I, didn't, I wasn't watching the show. I saw this on Instagram. It was like a one minute little clip. But on the Dan Patrick show, I don't even know who this guy was talking, but he said he he can imagine or he can see Arch Manning making $10 million as a freshman in college. Gosh, that's Isn't insane. that crazy? Well, so you, you saw the one that's already happened. Let's, I mean, that's a long way down the road. He's only going to be a junior in high school, I think, this fall. He's class of 2023. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But like Kayvon Thibodeau for Oregon signed a six-figure deal already. Like that already happened, which is absurd. Like that guy is a junior in college this year making... I don't know how much, somewhere between $100,000 and $900,000. Yeah, and I, I don't know how much this changes things, but he's like a consensus going to be top five pick yeah, in the monster. draft next year, maybe even number one. So I don't know if that feels as crazy, but yeah, like a, a huge high school pro- prospect coming in and immediately getting millions, it's just weird to me. It's just different because his name and who he is, Yeah, right? Yeah, wherever he goes, I mean, it's going to be one of these huge schools too. Most likely Alabama, Clemson, maybe for, Georgia, cross fingers. Yeah, for him, it's kind of everything coming together, right? It's the fact that he's a quarterback. It's the fact that he's going to go to a massive school and the fact that Peyton and Eli are uncles. Like, it's kind of everything working perfectly for him, but he's going to make absolute bank. Yeah, it's weird to think about because you said whoever predicted $10 million, who knows if that comes to fruition, but isn't that more than he'd be getting paid on like the new rookie skill NFL contract? Exactly. That's so, just crazy. So, like, to for think example, about. what happens if you are a junior in college debating on whether or not to come back for your senior year and someone offers you some, you know, booster or someone affiliated with the school who wants you to stay your senior year offers you a $10 million deal to stay for your senior year and you'd be making whatever a couple million dollars in the NFL. That's a good point. I mean, I'm trying to think of a situation where that might happen, but it's certainly possible. It's possible. Especially if there's like maybe a player coming off an injury or something yeah. and they're willing to, or someone's willing to pay him in college. Who knows? I don't know, man. Yeah. It's just going to get crazy. I have no idea where this is going. I know Dabo Sweeney has expressed the opinion that he might give it up if players start getting paid. So well, we said that well, a few years ago, but yeah, he's changed rubber, his tune real quick. Rubber meets the road now, but yeah. um, would love to see him go though. Yeah. Yeah. Get out of here, Dabo. Go somewhere else. <laughs> That'd be huge. Yep. But yeah. I don't know. Interesting topic. We'll see where it goes. It remains to be seen. All right. Is that it for the day? That's about all I got, buddy. All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in once again. Glad you listened. Please follow us on Apple and Spotify. Leave us some ratings and reviews. We will catch you hopefully next Monday. Have a good day.